0: Welcome to That Fangirl Life, the online platform that champions female fans. I'm your host and founder, Laurel, and on this week's episode, I'm joined by Ruth to discuss how becoming a fan of Harry Styles led to creating TikTok videos that have gone viral within the fandom. Listen as we discuss how the opera world differs from mainstream music, how Harry Styles' Fine Line album was like a punch to the ribs for Ruth on her first listen, what our favourite outfit from Love On Tour has been so far as well as what made Ruth decide to create TikTok content, analysing every song from Fine Line. Hello everybody, we are back with another episode of That fine Girl and this week I am joined by Ruth. Now, if you're on TikTok, which I know a lot of our listeners are, you will probably know her as Evening Crickets on TikTok, if you're on Harry Styles' TikTok, that is. <laughs> Ruth, do you want to introduce yourself to everybody, to tell us a little
1: bit more about you? Sure, sure. So I'm Ruth. Uh, I live in Chicago with my two cats and my partner. Um, I went to school for opera, but right now I'm just sort of working full time and doing the creative thing with TikTok and my after work activities. Um, Yeah, I love music. I love Harry Styles. I love a lot of things. And that's sort of my like mo on the internet is just to share a lot of the things that i love so that's why we're here again
0: (laughs) (laughs) every episode starts with the same question for everyone um but what does the word fangirl mean to you yeah, I think, like, it's totally changed, especially in the last year for
1: me. Like, before, I think, I I had, like, the trope of the fangirl stuck in my head, you know, which is, of course, like, internalized misogyny, too, about what a fangirl is. Um, but now it's, like, I see the fangirl as, like, just every person. Like, I think especially Harry Styles' TikTok has opened that up that there are so many fans That love Harry Styles are fangirls that like have the merch that have the CDs and the books and the magazines, you know what I mean. And so I think like when I picture the fangirl I try to picture myself now. You know, like I try to picture myself as that person that way I can sort of break stigmas that I have in my head about who this person is Um, because like I said, I think previously I envisioned her as like this young cutesy like teenager. But in reality, like, she's a 28-year-old that lives in Chicago, you know?
0: <laughs> like- yeah, don't worry. I'm like, hello, 33-year-old who's like making a podcast about being a fangirl and spending ridiculous amounts of money. <laughs> same. <I laughs> On a man that she's it. never even met. <laughs> right, God. Oh, my God. But what we're going to do, before we delve more into kind of the Harry Styles side, first of all, yes. and everything, we're going to talk about Yay Festival. Perfect. Um, we are... We did have someone actually send in a question as well. It was very similar to this. I wanna know really, what was your musical heritage growing up? You said you studied opera. Was yeah. that predominantly in your life or was before yeah. like, pop, stuff like that? Yeah,
1: yeah. so my mom really gave me a great musical education growing up. Um, my mom was really big into musical theater. So like she would always sing musical theater. One of my earliest memories is like going to a rehearsal for the Wizard of Oz for her. Mm-hmm. And, like, being, like, I was the kid that, like, would be backstage while performances are happening, and I would just, like, fall asleep. So I was always at rehearsal with my mom for whatever musical she was in, um, and I would learn the lines of the people that were in the show and all that kind of stuff so like she really gave me my like musical education so like while she loved musical theater she also loved billy joel and like pat benatar prince like i I grew up listening to like so many great artists i feel with my mom and we also just like there wasn't a type of music we didn't listen to like my mom also loved like salt and pepper you know like so we were listening to rap and country and like pop and R&B, like she was big into like Whitney Houston. So like I, I had this like big breadth of music that I listened to growing up. And then um, in South Carolina where I grew up, I went to a performing arts high school and that's where I really got into like opera um, and classical music. Cause before it was just mostly like musical theater yeah. and like, you know, singing Whitney Houston in the shower, you know, because that's <laughs> like what my mom would do. And then I went to high school and found like, I was like, oh, classical music is really cool. And I, I like it, I think. And that's really where that started. So it's kind of like, I don't know. I, I feel like in a way coming back to like th- the content that I'm making now, it almost feels like coming home. Like these this is the type of music I like grew up with, you know? Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so it's all, my musical like education and experiences, what I listen to is all over the place.
0: I feel like that's a good, like a good thing though. Like. My mom always says to me, she puts a song and she's like, I bet you don't know what this is. I'm like, no, I do know what this is. And she's like, do you just, I was like, do you just think that I sit indoors all day listening to One Direction and Harry Styles? And she was like, yeah, because that's all you ever talk about when on your Instagram. No, but I do listen to other stuff as well. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I I see the um, Taylor Swift record behind you and
0: I feel like
1: She's, like, one of those people that it's, like, I know that she is in love with music, like, all music, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's, like, the best approach to take to it, is, like, maybe it's not your favorite thing, but, like, give it a listen, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, I just, I love it all. Who
0: was it that made you realize, hold on, I might be a fangirl? <laughs> like, yeah, was there someone, a person, or a band, or, like, a thing for you that there, was that? Yes, yes, uh, my person was Hillary Duff, that was, like...
1: The person, I had her all over my walls. Like, I watched Lizzie McGuire, watched the movies, like, had her albums. I don't exactly know, like, what it was that drew me to her because, like, in hindsight, it's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I think it's just she was super relatable and, like, the character of Lizzie McGuire was kind and, like, kind of dorky. So it was just like, oh, this person, I see myself in them. And, yeah, that was sort of, like, I knew certain things about her, you know, that, like fangirls then you just like end up learning about the person that you you are passionate about you just have like a rolodex of info about them like I knew so much about her growing up and I couldn't tell you what I knew now but yeah I think she was sort of the first person that I was like oh yep that's she's it you know was, yeah that was her
0: <laughs> Hillary Duff. did you find that there was or there is um judgment for you being a fan Um, even of like classical music and like musicals when you were younger um, compared to like mainstream music as well as like maybe even like now among like your friends and like family and stuff. I think I definitely feel like in the
1: classical music world there was definitely judgment that I think hopefully now is sort of breaking apart but where I went to school it was definitely like pop music wasn't something that should be appreciated like I remember a teacher telling me pop music is just boring it's just four chords like that's all that pop music is so it's not interesting I think that's a really stale take because I think a lot of pop music is very interesting and a lot of really great storytelling is happening in pop music or just like uh, top 40 hits a lot of really cool things are happening in that but like in the classical world it was definitely something that like Oh, you like it. It's fun. You know, like it's a fluffy, cute thing, um, but not something that like should be taken seriously. Um, Like a lot of the times in classical music, especially when you're studying voice, um, teachers will tell you, you can't sing a certain kind of music while studying classical music. So like if you're studying opera, I knew teachers that would tell their students well you can't do musical theater you can't sing pop songs because it'll quote unquote i'm using air quotes ruin your voice yeah i I, again i think that's a very lazy stale take because like there's so much music for us to consume why limit yourself to any of that and i think that that was one of the most exciting things that like it, it once i worked through sort of the stigma of like the fangirl you know like accepting like yes I was one absolutely it was like oh I have this cool education to talk about why this music is so cool and why it's so great you know like I can defend this yeah so that way people can't just like brush it off and be like oh it's just stupid pop songs no actually it's really intricate and really interesting let me tell you why it's really cool so in the classical world there's definitely like a stigma with that but also just in my experience in opera, opera is about like a decade behind everybody else. So, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people, especially post pandemic life that we're just like, it's it's something that makes us feel good. It gives us joy. So why not talk about it? Why not celebrate it? Like, I think we all just learned how fragile life is and how short it is, you know, like why spend time denying the things that you love. And so I'm hoping that like the classical world or at least the opera world will catch up, you know, eventually Mm -hmm. with that. I think they're on their way. Um, As far as, like, my friends and family go, nobody said anything to me personally, you know? (laughs) I'm sure maybe people see my content and they're like, wow, Root's really really about Harry Styles, you know? If anything, it's, like, it's really cute. The people that love me want these, like, good experiences for me. Like, my mom, when I got tickets to, like, one of the Harry Styles shows, she was like, I'm so relieved. Like, I was Googling how to get you there, you know? Like, I'm so glad you figured it out. And my partner's been really sweet with like, you know, oh, let's go. Like, let's go to two shows. Yeah, we can go. Absolutely. So I think the people that like know me and love me are excited to see me excited about something, you know, and like, it's cool when like people are like, oh, I listened to this album because you talked about it or, you know, like that kind of thing that makes me really excited. Um, I'm sure people talk smack (laughs) because that's just what people do. But I'm having so much fun that I don't, I they can waste their time doing that I guess you know like yeah
0: let's talk about the man himself Harry Styles, first of all. <laughs> um, how did you first come across his music I feel like
1: I've always like been cognizant of him and like pop culture or whatever like I knew one direction I didn't I was late to my One Direction phase just because I think I was in high school and wanted to, like, impress people, you know, like, so I think, like, if given the opportunity, I probably would have had, like, a full throttle One Direction, like, decade of my life, but I didn't, and so I I've sort of come to their music later, I guess, but, like, I knew of them from The X Factor and What Makes You Beautiful. Um, I listened to his first album while I was in graduate school, and I was like, oh, I really like this. Um, but the first album deals with so many heavy topics that I don't think I was ready to like fully appreciate it at that point in my life. Um, it wasn't until the SNL episode that he hosted okay, in 2019 yeah. that I remember watching with my partner and I was like, holy shit, like he's on a different level and I'm very about this. Like I'm so into this. And he got me to laugh. Like just his comedic timing is so perfect that I was just like, okay, cool. I'm all in. Like, Absolutely. And then um, the day the album was released was sort of this like watershed moment for me where like I was just going about my daily life, listening to the album. And it was just like, I don't know, I described it as like a punch to the ribs. Like it just like stopped me, stopped what I was doing. And I was just like, oh, wow, this is I hadn't I hadn't felt this way about music in a really long time. Like I hadn't felt like music grabbed me like this. Mm -hmm in a really long time so it was sort of like an awakening in a lot of ways listening to this album um and since then it's just been all downhill I guess so it's been like a quick uptick to like how deeply I've been like obsessed with his music and just the art that he makes and him as a person um yeah I yeah I don't know uh, hopefully that answers it I feel like I just babbled a lot
0: (laughs) yeah and it's nice to see someone that's We'll speak to someone that has come from a later like solo yeah. aspect of it because yeah. uh, well I feel like a lot more people like we said a lot more people are now taking them a lot more seriously we're going to break it up before we get in like more deeply and we're going sure. to do this a little quick I say quick fire I say it all the time okay. quick fire round it ends up going off on the tangent and people being like <laughs> let me give you a 20 minute reason why <laughs> <laughs> cool so, they're really simple and the first one is your favorite Harry Styles song. <laughs> I, I, It has to be Fine Line,
1: I think. That is just, yeah. I don't think I need to explain why, but like, it's just, that's the anchor song for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I love all
0: of them. I have a different
1: one each week that I'm like obsessed with, but Fine Line is the one I always gravitate back to. So.
0: Your worst Harry Styles song.
1: <laughs> oh, man.
0: I had someone the other week say sign at the times and I was like, are you like, what?
1: <laughs> Ow. I was oh. like, no. <sighs> oh no. The worst. Okay. I do love it, but I think like, mm, maybe falling. Maybe.
0: I do love, I don't know. Like, <sighs> I know what you mean. Yeah. Like falling's. Falling sounds like it could be a One Direction song. Yeah, it's, I love Falling because it's like the, like, stripped down piano ballad for
1: him, which we never got in the first album. Like, Sign of the Times is a piano based song, but like, it's not a ballad. Like, it's, it's a rock anthem, you know, operatic type song. Falling, I think, was just like, oh, wow, we've never gotten this from him. It's really vulnerable and really beautiful. But like, you know, that's. I don't know I love the song but like out of all of them
0: maybe falling Maybe. Yeah, oh god yeah. obviously there's only two really to choose from from this but your favorite Harry album so I thought about this I and here's my answer I am a
1: like fine line sun sign but like an HS1 rising if that makes any sense it's like like I, I think Fine Line is like where my heart lives but like I love the first album so much now because of
0: Fine Line I think like
1: what it offers so I think yeah, yeah I think hopefully that makes sense.
0: <laughs> Your favorite Harry Styles music video?
1: Oh my gosh okay I I do really love Golden just because like I remember I was at work like just the experience of like waiting for it I think, was just, like, really fun. That was the first one that, like, I was waiting for. I also waited for Watermelon Sugar, and I loved, like, the visuals for that, but just, I think I was so excited for Golden that that one holds a special place for me, I think.
0: And then, your favourite Harry Styles outfit, because both me and you, we love to talk about (coughs) fashion, so I feel like that was a nice one to run this quickfire round on. I love the Mexico
1: suit that he wore on his first tour with the fringe. It's so iconic. Like,
0: I yeah uh, that one is just like I think about that outfit a lot (laughs) that suit. What about your favorite outfit from tour so at the moment from Love on Tour? My favorite so far has been the New York night one
1: outfit with the boa sleeves
0: all black with
1: like the feather sleeves I it was weird but hot and like I just yeah I was like I love this this is this is great like it was unique and definitely like unexpected I feel and I know that like so many people are gonna go make their own version of it which is exciting I think to like see fans recreate these things but that one's my favorite so far I think.
0: Yeah I am all about the Vegas outfit. Oh same yeah yeah Vegas is so good yeah. Um, yep. I do feel I feel like I wish Vegas wasn't the first show because I'm like for a first show I know. it wasn't a like it wasn't a great outfit like for a first show I was like oh, yeah that. I was like yeah yes I do like this outfit and also I like Nashville night two. yes the sparkly suit is that a spark no that was no the, that's like, the waistcoat yes. the cream yeah waistcoat yes
1: the biceps
0: oh um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay we're gonna get into a bit more now about your TikToks that kind of made you go viral and why (laughs) why you decided to do it so really that is the first question what made you decide you know what I'm gonna spend I'm assuming because not many people realize for like (laughs) 60 second videos how much time you have to put into it yeah Um, what made you decide I'm gonna put hours and hours and hours into do an an in-depth analysis of each track on fine yeah
1: well it all started off Um, because I had bought this book from a local bookstore that was about flowers Um, and it was just like the history of certain flowers and like mythology behind them so of course I was like reading about sunflowers because those are one of my favorites and I was like how does this even apply to that song you know like are there aspects of this that like work in it you know like this is all part of my like music education is like we would interpret the pieces we're working on like personally so we could take that into how we perform it so i'm i'm taking this from like a performer's lens that like is also based in like music theory music analysis and i was like oh this is actually kind of cool like some of the parallels that i'm finding in this i'll just post a silly little video talking about it you know and so i did and then the response was good so i was like okay well let's also talk about some of the cool stuff that I think's in the music. And that just from there, it blew up. And so I was like, all right, well, we'll just keep doing this, I guess, track by track. And like talking about all of the songs on this album that mean a lot to me, that like I think have really cool details that like, because of my education that I have, I have like, (laughs) I'm rolling my eyes, like trained ears, you know, like I, I know what to look for in music and in scores. So that was just sort of what it was, was like, yeah, let's talk about this cool stuff that people maybe don't realize, you know, that's in music that just sometimes happens, you know, because of the nature of creating music and and stuff that I think Harry's doing because he's a great, you know, songwriter.
0: So you talked about obviously the flower book. Mm-hmm. What else did you kind of use as such to find out your information? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: a lot of it, a lot of it is just um, like, things that I've learned in school. So like um, things that I've done in my own like music analysis when Mm -hmm. I was doing classical music. So like a lot of the stuff that Harry does, he does like text painting in the music where he like um, makes a word sound like the action. So like in falling, the vocal line literally falls. Um, That's something that like Bach and Mozart do in all of their music. So it's stuff that's sort of been like compounded into my brain for Mm -hmm. like decades. Things that you look for that are like contextualizing the music. So it's just things that like I have behind me a bookshelf full of like music theory books that like I've been using. But it's stuff that like as a musician I've been doing in my classes for school. So it's just stuff that like I knew to look for. Yeah. Um, But like I hadn't spent time sitting down with like and I the score that I have of Fine Line is just a simple piano vocal score. So it doesn't even show all the parts of like what's involved in the music. So I'm just looking at like bones of what's in the music and able to find things you know also a lot of it is just like personal interpretation so like I might say yeah this is what this is and somebody else disagrees but that's just the nature of music (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) I feel like that's the nature of a lot of things really yeah was there a moment when you were like doing like uploading them and you were like this is getting bigger than what I anticipated and now I feel under pressure Right. yes
1: Absolutely. Yes. Um, I think when I did the she analysis, because I have like that one's very personal to me because my partner is trans. And so I interpret that song as like when we listened to it, that was the first thing my partner said. was like, oh, my God, this is like a trans anthem, you know, like joking about how you do in like the car. And I was like, wait, but it it kind of is. And even if he didn't intend to write it that way, that's what it means to someone, you know. And so when I put that out there so many people responded to it. And that's the one that I still get DMs about to, to, to today, you know, like I posted it months ago and people still send me messages about it. I think because so many young people, especially young queer people just wanted to like be validated, I think, in, in the fact that they view that music that way. So I think a lot of the times I would get messages from people that are like, thank you for validating me. Yeah. And, and this way that I think in it. And that was sort of overwhelming, I think, at that point where I was like, oh, wow, a lot of people are paying attention to what I say. I gotta be, you know, like sensitive and, you know, like make sure that I'm holding space for like disagreement and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that was one that like, I guess I didn't realize, you know, like, I'm just making silly videos on my lunch break, but this
0: means something to people, you know? Yeah. Was there anything surprising that you learned whilst doing the analysis? so many surprising things um my favorite
1: thing to go into was like the instruments that he used in in the songs and there, in to be so lonely there are some like world instruments that he uses and so i was able to actually reach out to a person that recorded on the song um and played some instruments on it and like talk to him about the instruments that he used and like he gave me histories of things and so it was really cool to like think about like I love imagining just like being a fly on the wall in the studio, you know what I mean? And like thinking like, how do you choose these instruments? Like, what are you, you know, like, how are you guys doing this? And like this person, um, his name's Gabe, just gave me kind of like a little insight into it. You know, like they're just having like jam sessions in the studio where these talented people are like, yeah, I have this Hindustani instrument in my bag. Can I just play it for you? And then they play it and then they're like, oh my God, that sounds amazing, put it on the song. So like learning about like, it wasn't just like, him high as hell writing songs in a studio, you know, like there were like these (laughs) really talented people in the room with him that were like bringing their experiences and their insights into it that like, I don't know, like I knew that he was a talented songwriter, but like hearing about it from someone that was there, it was like, this is really cool. This is really offering me like a little slice of insight into his process, I guess. And like the fact that he's not just like even though he's talented, he's not doing this all on his own. There's like a room of people that he's also depending on and taking their opinions and you know what I mean? And that to me makes me appreciate him as an artist too because it's not just like a dictatorship, I guess.
0: I think it's also so nice for fans that have been since the One Direction days to hear that because mm-hmm. obviously people have a stigma of him that he's from a pop band because obviously mm-hmm. they were a manufactured pop band. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's nice to know for definite that he yeah. does take the time to write and put the effort into these songs and he's yeah. not he's not just turning up and being like here's my journal someone do something with this like,
1: yeah yeah like it's like a real collaboration in yeah. creating this music and that was something that I don't know it, like I said it wasn't like surprising but it was like okay cool like I knew I thought that but like it's it's good to know you know and just yeah, yeah the like different details and aspects in the music like the you know different instruments that were being used was so cool to find out.
0: Was there anything that you found out that you just did not have time to put in? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been thinking about this. I think I put everything that I possibly could like
1: think about into the videos. Um, but there was something I made a YouTube video that's like sort of like a conglomeration of all the TikTok videos. And after I made it, I was like, oh, my God, like this. Duh. Um, there's a thing in like classical music um, in art songs, which are like songs that are kind of like albums. So they're not like from operas or from like productions. They're just like these collections of songs that like composers would write about like a story or like an experience. And in those in those songs, they're like one off songs, um, they would write like these interludes or like introduction, like bars to each of the songs. And in the introduction bars, you get like snippets of the melody or like a feeling of what the whole song will be. And then at the end, there's like an ending part that sort of harkens back to the beginning. And Harry does that so much in like all of his songs. He does these like little beginning, like interlude, you know, introduction pieces. And then we get the song and then there's like an outro that he does. Um, And that's just literally something that's been in music since like Schumann and Mozart and Brahms. Like they've all been doing this. And So it was something that like watching the video after I made it, I was like, oh my God, like that's, he's doing that you know like which is probably self-explanatory watching it but it was just cool to like discover post
0: yeah everything <laughs> we're gonna kind of move on now to yeah. the content that you're making at the moment let's do it like i said obviously i i'm um, well i'm assuming people that listen or if you're a first-time listener where have you been <laughs> for the last three seasons <laughs> um, <laughs> but i also do fashion instagram aside, so i love talking about Fashion and outfits, yeah. and specifically finding stuff to wear to mm-hmm. a Harry Styles' content. that I didn't think I was going to go to, but we are going to. Yeah. <laughs> how did how did the idea festival come about for that one?
1: I think it started because I was seeing a lot of like discourse about what people were going to wear to the Harry Styles shows. I was seeing a lot of like anxiety that people were posting, like, "Oh, I'm going to look stupid. I'm not going to be dressed up enough." I can't find things to wear because I'm plus size, you know, like all of these like worries and anxieties that people were getting. And I just, I think I saw like 14 year old me reflected back to myself in a lot of those things where I was like, oh man, like, no, like you can, we can do this. We can, you know, we can feel good about ourselves. We can find the things. So like I posted a video a while ago that was like, here are some places that I shop that like, I think you could find things to wear. And like people really responded well to that. And so it was just basically like, oh, I want to help people be excited about this. Like we get this privilege of having this tour, whereas like other places have had it canceled or postponed, you know, like let's not have like what we're wearing deter us from going or from having a good time, you know? So that was sort of the impetus. And then like, I was on Twitter one day and saw like, like Twitter does some like negativity about some things that people were wearing. So I thought, okay. how can I, I can't fix this, but how can I maybe like put some good spin on this? And so it was just like, all right, we're just going to make people feel good about what they're wearing. And so that was sort of why I started it, started the like series of doing like a fashion roundup, I guess, of like what people wore to the shows. But it like became this thing where it's like, yeah, I want to make people feel good, but also it's now this cute thing of like remembering the show you know like certain signs or certain things people wore that were like hilarious big bird suits you know like certain things that like come up that like now it's like this weird like recap of a show almost but yeah it just started off as like a way for me to like help people feel good about themselves because I saw a lot of people like struggling with that which you know it's not going to fix those issues but like maybe for three minutes we can all like feel really good about who we are you oh, know
0: I love watching them because I'm like okay <laughs> I'm like those trousers yes I yeah. need a pair I'm like let me try and find some how I have to ask this because obviously I have now taken it upon myself as well to do <laughs> let me round up the whole entire yeah. comfort in 60 seconds every day how are you finding uh trying
1: to do it let's do it oh my god it like it takes me forever to do like these three minute videos which like the first one was fun you know but now it's like the last week I got behind a bit in some of them so I was a little stressed but like I get so many dms from people and then I want to make sure that I respond to the dms you know like every dm I get I try to respond to um and then like from there it's like then I'm saving photos to my phone and then I'm making sure I have like the individual username typed out correctly on the photo you know like all of these details. Sometimes I'm checking Twitter pages to make sure that this person is, you know, treating people with kindness, that they're not just like trying to use me and my platform for, you know, attention in a bad way, you know, like all of these things, like I'm trying to like make sure that this is a good experience for everyone involved. And it, it takes so much time. (laughs) So I like really appreciate when people are like, no worries, take your time, we'll be here, you know, like the patience that people have with me. Um, because there are days where it's just like, I can't do this. Like I can't film you know, like, I don't think people realize that, like, a three-minute video sometimes takes, like, an hour to, like, figure out how to film it. And I'm also trying to be, like, cognizant of, like, everyone that's being in the videos. You know, I don't want to, like, use the incorrect pronouns or, like, you know, represent them in a way that, like, is is harmful or will, you know. I'm yeah. just trying to be cognizant of so many things. And so it is a lot of work. But I, I also think that, like, it's it makes me feel good that, like, somebody could just happen upon the video and see themselves you know like a 13 going on 30 moment you know my friend in the magazine you know yeah. like they see themselves and then they're like wow like that makes me feel good that to me outweighs like the hours of me on
0: my phone trying yeah. to like, yeah, this all. The worst thing is is when someone comments and they're like you missed this out and I'm like I know and I'm like I can only fit in <laughs> yeah. I can only fit in a certain amount of stuff because someone yesterday was like yeah he knocked over his mic stand three times and I'm like well I only saw it once (laughs) (laughs) and then then I had someone else debate me on what he said the other night if he did say the p-word oh like I'm not I was like I did I'm not putting that in because I don't think he said it so yeah well I just I just for that thing
1: do y'all really think Antwist like grounded his ass <laughs> for saying it on television once. You really think he's just gonna throw it out there? That's you don't have to put that in. But like that was my thought processing. That's like, you really think like as sexual as he is, I don't see him saying that on stage, knowing that there are like small children around. He literally said like female orgasm the other night, you know, like he's yeah. he I don't know. I think he said what's it taste like in a weird yeah. like yeah. voice, but
0: that's just my opinion. I hate always having to bring this up but on the flip side obviously being on the internet Mm -hmm. and having a substantial following Mm -hmm. that is obviously comes the downside of being especially part of a fandom that is can be very toxic how do you navigate around that yeah
1: I'm still trying to find a balance I think with some negativity that I experience, because like a lot of the time I I don't know about you, but I am constantly monitoring my comments because people, especially on TikTok, they will just comment the wildest things (laughs) and like think there's no consequences to what they're commenting or like fights will start out, you know, like over certain things. And so I, I know that there are a lot of different opinions in the fandom and a lot of like very passionately held beliefs by people. And I guess. I want people to like have those and hold those, but when they come to my content, I want to be having like a different discussion. You know what I mean? Like we all are very passionate about this person because we love their music and because we love the things that they represent. Let's maybe like find similarities in that, you know, rather than argue about some things that maybe we disagree about, you know. Um, But it is the internet and I feel like that is the nature of the beast that negativity just comes with those things. Um, but also I feel like because I am older, I, I try to like have a lens <laughs> of like, okay, I'm 28. I can manage certain things. I can compartmentalize certain things. Maybe this person cannot do that yet, yeah. you know, or, you know, like I try, I guess in some ways to be like a big sister to a lot of yeah. these younger fans where it's like, here's a direction we can go. Here's a discussion we can have. Here's how we can treat people, you know, like, and if you want to be mad and nasty like take it offline you know like have a group chat with some friends vent about it (laughs) but like you said like the internet you know like especially twitter i think people don't realize like the internet isn't ink like it is a thing that like is permanent even though you can delete it it is permanent and i think especially for young people like we've got to like learn that really quickly because you know maybe somebody pisses you off because they say something that like makes you feel badly about yourself there's like a way that you can address that. That's not attacking a person, I guess. Um, But it is hard because there's just, you know, there's hurt people and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm still trying to find a way to navigate some of it. Like there's some things that like, I know I just will not engage with like content. I won't engage with like conversations. I won't be a part of because I know that it's just, there's no way that I can come out of that positively I guess in some ways I don't know I also feel like in this fandom there's so many young people that are just looking for like they're looking to be seen you know what I mean like they want to be represented they want community they want like friends they want connection and like a lot of that time I see that (laughs) in some of like the the volatile things that are Mm -hmm. posted and so of course it's just like there are a lot of hurt people that just like pop off sometimes (laughs) and so it's just yeah it is it is hard to navigate but like I try to do it I guess in a sensitive way but it can be really draining to like (laughs) to like try and navigate that because it's like I just I just want to be happy can we do that can we try you know like not all the time but like sometimes can we just you know
0: kind of like a bit of a different flip from that but what is the best part about being part of the Harry Styles fandom the best part is like this stuff like meeting people that like are
1: excited about the things i'm excited about that like want to be a part of these conversations with me like that has been the most rewarding part like talking with people about the music or even like like waiting for him the, i remember the very first live stream for las vegas like everybody was just like waiting it's like in the wings like we were all even,
0: on instagram yes,
1: <laughs> like I was in bed in my pajamas but like it felt like we were all sharing this like collective experience and that is something that like I I think I've missed so much especially because of the pandemic like live music of course is beautiful but like having that collective experience of like sharing a moment with people and the fact that we're able to do that digitally blows my mind and it's just I don't know there's so many beautiful friends that I now have because of this like British biscuit that like are people that like are enriching my life and like are supportive of me because I said you know like I posted a video that I liked watermelon sugar you know like yeah. all of these things like all these people you meet that then become your friends I think is really powerful that like I think it's discounted a lot from like fangirls is like we don't think about the fact that like it's people that are creating relationships because yeah. they like you know a certain thing so that's been like the most rewarding thing is just all the people i've met oh my gosh
0: what was it A flight like to finally go see harry knife
1: oh my god i uh, i keep thinking about that show that i went to because i have I've, i'm going to two of his shows i just went to the september 25th show in chicago and i'm going november 3rd in milwaukee to see him but like a few months ago, I didn't even have tickets to any of these shows. Like I was just like resigned to the fact that I wasn't going to go. So then miraculously, like these tickets end up in my hands. So like that alone was amazing, but like it just, I was really stressed. I think like the week leading up to, my, to the first show, because like I wanted it to be a great experience and I just, I wasn't sure that it was going to be. So I was having like stress dreams about it. You know, like I didn't want to run into like somebody that was mean that like ruined the night. I didn't, you know, like part of me was like, "Are these tickets real? Like, is this happening? Like, this is too perfect." That's you me. Know. Every
0: day, I know much. Yes, this exactly. Is
1: like just all of these things that like I was really nervous about. So like when we got to the show, my partner went with me and, and she was like, "Are you okay? Like, do you do you need anything?" I was like, "No, I'm good. We're just gonna sit right here. Like, I'm not moving from the seat. Like, it's good." And just like having the experience of hearing the entire album live because he played To Be So Lonely that night, you know, like that blew my mind. And then, of course, when Fine Line happened, I think I just cried the entirety of the song. Like, I don't think I opened my eyes the entire time, but like after leaving that concert, I just kept saying, like, I'm so lucky. Like, I I can't get over the fact that this was like a perfect experience that I heard all of this music and that this was my first concert post lockdown, like post stay at home order that like this album that essentially got me through the pandemic, like even though it's still happening, but like that was my like anchor in so many ways, you know, that that was the first experience I got. It was just, I don't know, like it feels very out of body, I think, to like think about and he's such an amazing performer. Like I just talk about the music that he has, but like seeing him do it live wild incredibly wild I don't know how he did all of that while having asthma (laughs) like I have no idea how he's able to like the endurance he has is amazing as a musician and like I his ability to like his voice is so good like I I think I'm also stunned by how talented he is as a singer like forget songwriting and like all the acting that he's doing just him as a singer is amazing and how good he sounds live that What? Like there are not a lot of artists that can perform those songs and sound like the recording, you know, while performing it. I don't know. Also, this tour is just like a a sprint, like how fast this tour is going. And I'm amazed. I don't know, like that. I think I walked away just being like, holy shit. Like he's like, uh, yeah, no wonder that we're all like in love with him because he's an amazing performer. And yeah, I, I hope that everyone that wants to see him gets to see him live because
0: it's an amazing show. Like, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, he is a tour de force on stage, and especially the first few shows when he wasn't talking to any of the audience, and everyone was like, "What is he doing? Like, yeah, why is this yeah. over it's like it's within an hour?"
1: Yeah, I think it's it's so cool too to like look at someone like that that is this like mega pop star and like seeing how the tour this is my first time following him on tour really. So like seeing how the shows changed, like really how he becomes more comfortable on stage after each performance. Like that, that to me, like, even though like people were complaining about it, I don't know, that like warmed me in some ways because it's like, he is human. You know what I mean? Like- Last two questions,
0: really. Um, cool. they the same questions that I ask at the end of every episode. Everyone that listens must hate me saying that all the time. <laughs> but the first one is what has being a fangirl taught you? I think one of the coolest things that
1: it's taught me is like what we've been talking about this entire time is like there are so many skills that we have as fangirls that like I don't think half of us even realize like content creation, our ability to connect with people, storytelling that we do like there are so many things that like Fan girls have as like skills and assets that I I didn't even realize before you know until I started doing it and then it was like wow yeah these are like really talented creative people that are like making cool content even seeing like the outfits people wear like I there's people that I follow that have like been making their outfits for Love on Tour so it's like the creativity the like determination that so many people have to like show up for their favorite person I think has just been like so cool to learn and like see it's really inspiring I don't know I feel really inspired I think by like the more people I interact with I don't know it's so cool
0: finally it's kind of similar but also a little bit different but what has being a fangirl brought to your life it's oh my god
1: (laughs) I think in the last like year I've really had to like have conversations with myself about like what I want to do you know, like I thought opera was what I wanted to do. I thought classical music was what I wanted to do, but it wasn't. And it wasn't until like, I started like finding the joy that like, what makes me excited, what makes me happy. And that is like the music that I am a fangirl about. So it's like taught me what I really want to do and connecting with people. If that means, you know, TikTok series or YouTube videos, maybe one day I'll write a book, you know, I think it's like brought me to the fact that like, oh, I think like writing and connecting with people is something that like I really want to do, you know, Mm -hmm. like I really want that, that's where I want my life trajectory to sort of go. It wasn't opera, you know, like it's just like connecting with people. And so whatever variation that means, but also I think being a fangirl, it's, it's helped me like not limit myself, you know, like I can write songs, I can write plays, I can make content online, I can do all of those things. And I don't have to be like, I don't have to be niche about the things that I like, like I can like and do all of these things. And I think that that was really liberating for me to realize that like, oh yes, all of these things are things that I love and things that I can
0: experiment with, so. If anybody wants to find you online, where can they go to find you? Yeah, you can find me at Evening Crickets everywhere. It will be tagged, as always, in the episode description for anybody that does want to go give uh, Ruth a follow. I would highly recommend. Thank you very much for taking your time out uh, today um, to chat to me. It's been really fun. Thanks so much once again to Ruth for joining me on this week's episode. As always, links are in the description if you want to follow Ruth online. If you're needing some more fangirl content to keep you going until next week's episode, head to our website, thatfangirllife.com. And join me next week when Izzy and I are going to be reacting to some of your anonymous fangirl confessions. Bye!